You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another day experimenting with sound on the podcast. Make sure to let me know how it sounds. I We do have some Mets, Indians. Let's just, it came up, so let's talk about that. Uh, it came up. I'm not going to go too in-depth beyond the fact that it's getting out there that the Indians would love to trade with the Mets. Uh, I mean, should it come as a surprise? Uh, <laughs> I've been talking about Indians, Mets, and how they're a natural fit for uh, over a year now. So, yeah, I would love to see that trade happen as well. I'm going to talk with Ryan uh, Ryan F. over on Locked on Mets and do more in-depth on that. So let's just put a pin in that for now. We do have some other news, some actual transaction news. Matt Waldron, uh, officially named as a player to be named later. Uh, the Indians traded three players, Greg Allen, Mike Clevenger, and Matt Waldron for six players. Uh, let's see if I can get all six now off the top of my head. We have Naylor and Cal Quantrell, who helped the team right away. Uh, Owen Miller, I'm trying very hard not to say Owen Dew, who I used to talk about. Uh, Dew was a pitcher. Miller is the shortstop out of... And school in Illinois, I want to say. Like Southern Illinois, maybe he was a Saluki. Maybe he was Northern Illinois. I can't remember, but uh, Owen Miller, the shortstop. Uh, Gabriel Arias, who was, I think, the number one piece. Joey Cantillo, who was, I think, the number two piece in that deal. And uh, see, this is the problem. I am blank. Austin Hedges is number six. There we go. Forgetting about Hedges after talking about trading him in the last weeks of podcasts. So why Matt Waldron, and why now? Well, he was not uh, part of the offsite, so he couldn't be traded till the season was done. It is interesting that it's happening now, as we kind of already knew he was going to be the player to be named later. We talked about it earlier on the podcast. If you listened to my 40-round sum-up of the 2019 draft, a year later edition, where I checked in on every player after year one, you can see why there was an interest in Waldron. He was a four-year starter at Nebraska. He is undersized. He has middling stuff. But uh, and he got put into low A into the New York Penn League, Mahoning Valley, rest in peace. That's, you know, uh, we probably will never see another uh, New York Penn League is pretty much what some of the news has come out with. And that's a league that is all over the place. Um, we see so many guys who really perform well and then never play well anywhere else. But his other performances in rookie ball, where as a 22, soon-to-be 23-year-old, he was just so much older than that competition. Uh, but strikeouts per nine over 11, walks per nine under one, hit rate under seven. He was a man among boys. He was a well-developed pitcher. And, yeah, he's worth a gamble. And there's a chance. There is a chance for a back-end arm there. I don't see much beyond that. Uh, but... He performed really well. Statistically, he stood out. Amongst those day three picks, he was the most impressive uh, in terms of performance in the minor leagues and in his first and only year. Again, I, I'd rather he's in the Cleveland Indians organization, but he's also a player I'm not going to lose sleep over uh, leaving the organization. He is already 24 years of age, turned so in September. 24 because of the weird year this year. I mean, he probably would have gotten up to high A, this year, I would like to think, in a typical year. But you're looking at someone who wasn't going... The year they turned 25 was when they were going to make their double-A debut. I mean, he was an older prospect. He is an older prospect. Um, yeah. From 
Omaha, went to school in Lincoln, Nebraska kid. I wish him nothing but the best. And again, he did everything you could ask for in his time in the Indian system. So we got that. Should we talk about just the general news that's happening in baseball? I picked both Rookie of the Years. Uh, can we put that? I, I should start gambling. I, I know I didn't get the World Series right, um, so that would have cost me some money. But uh, Devin Williams was just utterly unbelievable and totally deserved to win that award in a year where Cronworth looked like he had it locked up and then he faded massively. And then Lewis was the easy pick for the AL Rookie of the Year because you had the only other real competition... Uh, Robert faded and then you just had some short season guys like with uh, Devin Williams I'm going to look up but it's like Alec Baum was great that was a very short uh, season for him I don't know where he ended up finishing uh, in the awards I'm kind of curious of course they don't have the ranks right there off the top of it Uh, Cronworth and Baum finished tied for second this is interesting. Uh, this is over on ESPN. Chasing the change, opponents were 2-for-62 against Devin Williams. Change up the lowest opponent average on a single pitch this season. Uh, Trevor Bauer, former friend, slider at a .75. Zach Plesak at a .69. Actually had the second most devastating uh, pitch in terms of, uh, you know, compared to Devin Williams, change up being the, uh, the strongest in that one. Very uh, interesting to see how that goes. Kyle Lewis, unanimous. That should not come as a surprise. He was awesome. Uh, third place was Christian Javier. <laughs> and see, this is what's crazy to me. AL Rookie of the Year, they did the complete voting box on ESPN. NL Rookie of the Year, they did not do that. Uh, so when Lewis, Robert got almost all of the second place votes. Then Christian Javier, Sean Murphy, and Willie Castro were tied. Former Indian Willie Castro tied at fourth, which means Karen Chalk came in sixth. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. He did have the second most third place votes. Jared Walsh, who I talked about with the Angels. Ryan Mountcastle, who had a really strong debut at the Orioles. Brady Singer, who had an up and down debut. And Jesus Luzardo, uh, who had a strong debut as well. But yeah, interesting things to see. Interesting overall. Uh, Karen Chalk finishing sixth. Maybe a bit of a surprise, but I don't think that should really throw anyone too much, even though I think in a lot of other ways, and you look at some advanced stuff, Devin Williams wins in the National League as a reliever, yet Karen Chalk, who is every bit as good, uh, finishes sixth. It definitely shows that there are different looks and ways to approach it and ways that people are voting. Other bit of news. Uh, could the White Sox already be looking at a managerial change? I shouldn't laugh. Uh, because, I mean, this is serious stuff. Uh, it's I laugh there because it's crazy that they might already be looking at a managerial change. It's even crazier that Tony La Russa was busted for DUI the day before he was hired after being dusted, busted in February for a DUI and having a long history of DUIs as a manager. Like, And DUIs are serious. This is not... And you can't be a baseball fan and just look past them. You've got Josh Hancock, who died... Um, because of a, a DUI when Larusso was the manager in St. Louis you have Nick Aidenhart whose career was cut short by someone driving under the influence people are killed by this it's not cool it's not you know it should never be like oh I can drive home that should never be a statement anyone makes and Larusso doing that is just and this is a guy who talks about respecting the game. How is it respect the game that you keep doing this? He has made 
so much money over the years. Remember, it's yes, it's been a while since he managed, but he was the guy who was in charge of the Diamondbacks who hired Dave Stewart there who led to, A, the worst drafting I have ever seen. It's the first time I ever saw a team who had the first overall pick leave millions of pool dollars on the table. That never happens. They didn't know how to run a draft properly. And then the horrible trades they made, Tuki Toussaint being given away to save money. Uh, we can talk about the Shelby Miller deal for, for years. But bigger point, it's like he has worked enough. He can afford to have someone drive him. Like The fact this keeps happening is a serious issue. And it's something the Chicago White Sox need to reckon with. I, this is not just some small uh, thing. They already went out and cut their general manager off at the knees to hire him, and then he has this. I mean, that's way too, uh, to make your uh, front office situation cancerous. Like that, This is a team that is on the cusp of turning into something special. And Reinsdorf is doing his best to ruin it as quickly as possible. It is amazing um, how ugly that situation has gotten so quickly. And all of it thanks to ownership. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, we have to talk about it. It's terrible, but we have to talk about it. Uh, some other things that came out recently I didn't talk about is Trevor Bauer isn't going to go year to year, even though he claimed he was going to go year to year to maximize his value. He's going to take a huge contract. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm very curious to see how that plays out there with our old friend Trevor Bauer. He's going to take, uh, he's going to get a massive contract because he's got, he's been incredibly healthy as a pitcher. He was really good in a partial season this year, and he was really good for half a season with the Reds. Now, you remember, before the Indians traded him, he had been kind of mediocre, and he was really good in the season before that. So, yes, he has all these great compiling numbers uh, because he's been able to stay healthy, and two of the last three years, two and a half of them have been great. Uh, before those years, there were always some ups and downs with Bauer, and I'm very curious to see how quickly there's some regret with that. Like, I think there's already some regret with Garrett Cole. Uh, he's got no, uh, you know, like I was looking on that, or the trade reference site and his value is negative. Like he's not a tradable asset uh, in terms of value because he's owed so much money. When you're looking at someone like Trevor Bauer, it's very interesting to just look at like his yearly war, just on a base comparison level. When you're looking for something like that, I don't want his batting stats <laughs> with the baseball reference. It's like, here's his batting stats. I'm like, no, no th thank you. I don't want batting stats for Trevor Bauer. I want his value stats. Uh, a 5.8 in 2018. He ended up between Cleveland and Cincinnati in 2019. Actually, he had a negative value for Cincinnati. I, I had that completely wrong. He was not good for Cincinnati when they first acquired him. So he was really good in 2018, really good this past year in 2020. Other that, he never broke three war. Uh, in his season, he is undersized. He has been ridiculously healthy, and he will turn 30 in January. Um, you can call me a hater, whatever. Uh, I'm betting that he becomes the player that uh, teams end up regretting signing the most. Because the other thing we have to talk about with Bauer is, I know he did a lot of things very well this past year, but you're not going to maintain a 5.1 hits per nine over an, a full season. 5.1 is, you know, that, that was the best in baseball. He's someone who's averaged a 7.9 hits per nine for his career, so it's likely to go up almost three. 
And someone who's had a 3.4 walks per nine and historically, like his best season before this was a 2.9, uh, having it down to 2.1, nearly a walk per game less than even his his best. So you're looking at four more base runners a game likely to happen for him. It's hard to not see him having a being a big regression candidate. And someone's going to give him a lot of money, and we'll see. Maybe I'm proven right, maybe I'm proven wrong, but you're going to give... He's going to get a huge amount of money, likely, because starting pitchers are hard to come by. Guys who've been healthy and coming off the year he just had, where he could still win the Cy Young, uh, someone's going to pay him a lot. And if he turns back into what he's been more traditionally, he's more of a, a really good two or a three. Not necessarily one of the top ten pitchers in baseball, which is what he was last year. So just... Some thoughts on an old friend who uh, I got asked a few questions about this past week. So what else is there to talk about right now? Um, in terms of the Indians, there's not a whole lot. You know, kind of touched on the old friend alert. Uh, Bauer does feel like he's going to get a ton of money very quickly. We talked about some of the shakeups in the division, talked about the minor transaction. It's just wait and see. Um, like I said, we talked about the Mets stuff, put a pin in that. I feel like I've talked <laughs> you. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing me talk Mets. Uh, it has been almost a nonstop uh, occurrence with myself over the past few weeks. Uh, so instead, let's spend our last little bit of time here. Let's go out there and dig into another team trying to find trade assets for these Cleveland Indians. So we kind of already talked about the Angels. Uh Fletcher is a guy that, uh, you know, if they were to go out and get a shortstop, maybe he is movable. But at the same time, it's like Fletcher can play anywhere. And I feel like it's hard for the Angels to consider moving him. He's such an important, like, heart of that team that it sets it up where it's not a situation that makes a whole lot of sense, I think, just in terms of the Angels trading away. Because their biggest problem is because of all these trades, all these signings, they've never had depth. And the depth still does not exist and there's still not much there. So instead, let's talk about the Texas Rangers. Rangers are a fascinating team and one that certainly I would love for us to uh, to consider. And we know in the past the Indians have approached the Texas Rangers about Joey Gallo. Now, he is two years away from free agency. I don't know if that is a detriment to considering acquiring a player of his ilk, that he, it is only uh, a two-year rental, maybe... Uh, one year and a flip depending on how the Indians view it I just don't know I don't know how they would approach uh, that situation is two years crazy as it is to think not enough is that not enough for the Cleveland Indians in terms of uh, player control I, I, I'm unsure we've seen them with almost every deal they've made recently go for either someone who is a rental who is cheap or go with a player that has three or more years of control it makes it hard to guess on Gallo we do know in the past they've had an interest. Second is, would Texas even trade him? We don't know. Uh, Texas thought they were going to contend and instead uh, ended up one of the worst teams in baseball. They've got lots of issues, um, just all up and down the diamond. I mean, and Gallo did not have uh, a fantastic year this past year and a 181 batting average. I, even if you're not an advanced scout, uh, advanced stats guy, that's not good. <laughs> 301 on base, not great. 378 slugging. I, I mean, nothing came together for him. It was a year to forget. Uh, I mean, Chin Chu Chu was one of their better producers in their outfield. Uh, that, I mean, that's just kind of where they were as a team. Ronald Guzman was okay at first base. Todd Frazier was 
performing well before uh, they traded him. You know, a year ago, I talked about Danny Santana and his breakout, and boy, did he come flaming back to earth uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, Nick Solek, who I thought was going to be the centerpiece of the Corey Kluber trade, and I was wrong, didn't perform. I mean, this is just a whole team. And the problem for this Texas Rangers team is they've had some of the top minors at times in in baseball, and they've always had a series of high-end prospects, but none of them have hit. And even the guys they traded away, you go and you look at the deal, for instance, for Jonathan Lucroy, where's Luis Ortiz? Where is Luis Brinson now? Those guys have been non-successful. They seem to just pick out players that uh, they could hype in their minors. Leody Tavares was like a top 50 guy. He debuted, sure, he's only 21, there's a chance, but he's a guy who never really hit in the minors. It's the same issue I had with you know, uh, Bryson, where he never performed up to his, his stats. Sam Huff is really interesting in terms of where he performed in a limited, limited time this year. Um, but yeah, it's... What do they do? If you're the Texas Rangers... They held on to Mike Miner for a year too long and essentially got nothing for him. If they traded him the previous deadline, they would have gotten a huge return. Instead, they ended up with nothing. Uh, they held on too, too long. Do they look to move Lance Lynn this offseason, or do they risk, again, ending up with nothing for it? They went out and gave Jordan Lyles a contract after he performed well with the Brewers. That didn't work out. They traded for Kluber. That didn't work out. Signed Kyle Gibson to a, a sizable contract to get him from the Twins. That didn't work out. They made all these moves, and it just didn't work. I mean, just across the board, nothing worked for this team. Uh, Nick Goody was someone who they claimed who got some innings for them. Uh, they went out and gave a lot of money. I'm trying to think uh, who their closer was, who then got hurt, but eventually uh, was able to reestablish himself uh, in a uh, part of their bullpen role, and they did have some interesting arms back there, but it was Jose uh, Leclerc who ended up pitching just two innings uh, this year. It was two years ago where he had the good year, had some struggles, came back. But, yeah, it's just this is a team that – this, the, there's not much in the minors too. They went. Their drafting has not been great. Their development has not been great. Uh, a lot of high. I mean, I was a big Cole Wynn guy, and that hasn't worked out. Joe Palumbo, uh, I thought was a top five prospect back when I was writing at Scout, uh, and he had been hurt at the time, but he was still someone already in the upper upper minors, and he was a guy I viewed as a top five, potentially a top one hundred if he bounced back type of guy. Uh, and that was when I was at Scout. Scout, not only is Scout not existed for a few years, I mean, 24-7 doesn't even do baseball anymore. It, it's been a while, and he's still one of their top 10 guys. Uh, it's And they've gone very, very low ceiling in terms of the draft, and there's not a lot on the horizon to help them, and I feel like this is a team that needs to embrace the rebuild. So again, you look at that roster, and, you know, who's older? It's Jose Trevenio at catcher, is he going to bring much? Uh, Gallo, who's 27. Uh, Elvis Andrusis, I don't see much value in him at 32. The pitching, and, you know, someone like Sam Huff, who's only 22, yeah, you keep him. But the rest of these pieces, I, I mean, I would take what you can get for any of the arms. That's just my honest-to-goodness opinion if you are the Texas Rangers. So what does a trade for Gallo look like? I and mean, that's really only the per only person of, of major interest there. 
a lot of teams like to acquire him, and I think Texas could easily sit to the deadline and hope that his value will rebound, and he could be, you know, if he's back to kind of more typical performance, uh, he'd be one of the more hotly contested uh, bats to acquire. But at the same time, they might also just feel like getting value now because if he struggles uh, this time, if he has another down year, you're getting nothing for him in a year. Like that's just, you're getting very minimal value. So it's the risk reward. And I mean, Callow, when they selected him was a very risk reward pick. Uh, But of late, this is not a team that has been uh, willing to take risks. So I went over to the trade value site again, saying it's not perfect, but my original thought was, what could you offer them? Well, let's stick with one of the shortstops in the Indian system. Uh, uh, Byron Rocoyo was stuck in South America, did not get a chance to join them uh, in the offsite. He's very well thought of. A lot of places had him one of the top three prospects uh, at the start of the 2020 season in the Indians minors. I have not been as high on him, and they added even more shortstops to the system with uh, Arias and Tucker. So I am all for trading an infielder. Infielders always have great value. And that doesn't quite get you there. So then including an arm, if this is a team that is going to ship off uh, Lance Lynn and other play, uh, players, you know, could look to move Gibson, could move to look Lyles. If they're going to move multiple arms, this could be a team looking for a starter. So either one of Moss or Henkes or even Plutko. Uh, Plutko has a, a value of zero by uh, the trade surplus site. Henkes and Moss are the same. Henkes is the bigger lefty, higher ceiling, uh, lower floor. So I thought he might fit more if you were the Rangers and you're going to gamble anyways. Why not gamble on the lefty who's built like a defensive end um, over the guy who had the performance numbers at Florida? So Henkes and Rocoyo for two years of Gallo. I'm doing it tomorrow. Trade value site has 23.9 going to uh, Cleveland, 23.2 going to Texas. Uh, one evaluation of one is uh, really negligible in such a deal. And that is what I would uh, call the Texas Rangers about. When you're looking at the Rangers, like I said, that is it. You know, we've, we talked about the other teams in this division uh we've not talked houston or oakland yet the two contenders uh those always get a little trickier but i think at the end of the day um the indians are going to consider all comers especially when it comes to someone like lindor so we at least have to look at those teams to consider uh is it possible could it occur and to see if there's any other trades that could match up i I think the indians are going to roll the dice a little bit more because we talked about just on yesterday's show the general uncertainty on this roster heading into next year what are your thoughts? What do the crowd think? Joey Gallo, yay, nay. Uh, the cost of Joey Gallo. Like I said, again, uh, it's the nice thing about that trade is you don't have to mess with your 40 man because Henkis comes off, Gallo goes on. You do trade a top prospect, but from a massive position of depth that you have made even deeper, uh, it'd be nicer if a lot of those guys were closer to the majors. Unfortunately, they are not right now. It'd be a natural. Uh, pipeline for the changes and I mean this is a team that right now does not have a second baseman and in my mind does not have a shortstop because we know they are going to be trading their shortstop but overall pretty much from double a down uh, there is a top 15 prospect manning both middle infield positions and when you have that glut that allows you to I mean even from triple a because if uh, Owen Miller doesn't make the team He's going to be down at, you know, you could have Miller and Chang, and both those guys, to me, are top 15 prospects still, and that could be a triple A. You could talk all the way down. 
through the minors. You know, it would be hard to go all the way through the minors, top 15, definitely top 20, top 25. It's such a depth position. So I think you look to move one of those types of guys. And if you're the Rangers, you always want to add more middle infielders. That's always uh, advantageous. One could make a case that Gallo for Ricoio straight up is maybe even a slight overplay on the Indian side of things. You could maybe talk about such a deal and even see if if we if you are going to expand out, you know, is there a world where Texas considers moving one of their relievers? Uh, you know, Montero was solid in short numbers a year ago, twenty nine years of age. Uh, Jimmy Hergity was or Hergit was with the Reds for a while. He had a the walk rate and the strikeout rate, I, I mean, I don't see him containing that. Montero was okay, not like uh, spectacular. So no, there's necessarily anyone you, you go out of your way to chase down. Uh, I've always been a Taylor Hearn fan, uh, dating back to his Pirates days. He's a, If he could work on the control there, he could be something special as lefty. You could always try to figure out something like that involving maybe one of their relievers, but it's not like... They've got no one approaching the level of Class A who the Indians added a year ago. But, uh, yeah, Gallo. Uh, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for trading away, uh, you know, your eighth starter and a shortstop who has yet to touch high A to get uh, an elite power hitter for two years. I'll do that one tomorrow. What are your thoughts? What else would you like to hear me talk about? Are you all looking forward to... Uh, my talk with uh, the Lockdown Mets or are people done hearing me talk Mets uh, next time on the show either today or tomorrow is going to or today or tomorrow either for the one of the next two shows I'm either going to finish off the AL West in terms of trade partner barring any news and talk with Ryan over on Lockdown Mets and try to figure out what a Lindor deal could look like could there be a bigger deal than just Lindor could it be Lindor and Carrasco what else you know, is there the catching side of things I discussed as well? You know, we're going to take all of that into consideration. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Remember to rate and review. That's really important. Download every day. That is also very important. I hope everyone is doing really well right now in these odd times. Uh, know that in this moment, I'm thinking of each and every one of you listeners, and I am very thankful. This is, you know, the month of thankfulness for all of you and for letting me get to do this fun little podcast uh, every single day. And uh, what a kind crew you are in general who listen to this podcast. I've been Jeff Ellis. This is the Lockdown Indians Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, go Tribe. And tell me about the sound. I messed with the gain on things. I'm trying to, to make it work better. <laughs>